When the world has got you down Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here are your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and me, Don Priest. Hello, everybody. I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susan. Hi, Donald. How are you? I'm pretty good, you know? Hanging in there? Yeah, we had tech gremlins again this morning. We did. We're having tech and we're gremlins. Back. And what's going on, Riverside? Get your we're act together. We're back on Zoom right now. Embarrassing Come on. us. We're supposed to be so professional. And then like our, this really cool guest that we have is like, thinks we're like, oh. <laughs> well, we are. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's nothing to do with, with Riverside or Zoom. It's us. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, everything's good. Um, yeah. I'm boosted. You're boosted. boosted. Yep. Yeah, that's what happens when you're three. your age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm over 18. Oh, that's so, true. You know. <laughs> you look great. But uh yeah, I'm all good. I feel good. Everything's good. Um no, I'm, je- I'm jelly. I want to get I'm gonna get mine. And yes. you didn't and you didn't have that many uh side effects, right? Just like I a had, day. I had less, yeah, I had like 36 hours of not feeling great compared to number two where i had like two and a half days of feeling like hot garbage so uh yeah this was just garbage not hot garbage not hot garbage so go and get some garbage you guys and get yeah it's so worth it yeah it's like (laughs) it's it's like you have like a a, a just now right you can go out and be in the world well it's supposedly i guess two weeks after or something okay uh, you still got to be careful everyone be careful still be careful still yeah yeah and anything else exciting um trying to think trying to think well holidays coming up you know thanksgiving yeah although by the time they hear this it will have long passed we will have been full that's true uh, yeah so uh let's pretend that uh it already happened boy was thanksgiving great (laughs) it was (laughs) (laughs) i am so full i have so much turkey in me and my and my meal was fabulous i cooked it so well um yeah 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 so um, I just wanted to do a, a quick shout out once again to our other podcast that we um, have a whole season called I Love Lucifer. And a podcast. it's a podcast. It's a scripted comedy horror. And if you haven't checked it out, please do. It's it. We are we keep trending in the top 10 and a lot of the indie podcast lists, you know, on good pods and on Podchaser and on Stitcher and Adam Levy from The Witcher is our narrator and plays the father of our two female leads. Her eyes are literally burning with an outrageous color of red. My fearless daughter moves in to plant a kiss, but Portia manages to hold her away. Tanya's lips hover inches from Portia's. Hot. From the heat from Portia's eyes, uh, don't be daft. N- now, in the grips of this wretch, Tanya is once... A- it's basically two B-movie stars who fight movie monsters by day and real monsters by night. And it's it's a whole metaphor about Hollywood. You'll love it. It's fun. 
like it's but, very different from this very different very but, different uh, but uh it's yeah it's it's a great listen and if we do say so ourselves and, and then we're very proud of it and if you like you can check you can rate and review and share with your friends and help us get and subscribe some, and subscribe and help us get funding for season two because our fans want season two and you know, COVID's over, so we can't get all these actors for free. <laughs> we have a lot of actors to, yeah, to be. Yeah. Everyone's busy. <laughs> and I and I and I think I should sleep this next year. We got a lot of mouths to feed. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's that. So that I awesome. I'm so excited about today because I our guest. I'll, I'll let you introduce him, but but um, yeah. it was again social media, LinkedIn. I I discover. This beautiful post from this this man who who tagged me like that's how I found it and I I thought wait I do I know do I know Robert Party and I I thought no but I should because this is so beautifully written and it resonated so much about caregiving and and this gigantic heart like just jumped off my screen and I needed to meet him and. Um, I just immediately said, would you please be a guest on our show? Because I love, I loved everything he had to say. And I continue to love everything that he writes and it's very prolific and um, uh, um, transparent with, with his feelings, very authentic. I just love it so much. So Don, yes. will you do an well, official introduction? I will do that. Thank you. I will do that. Actually, I'd be honored to. Uh, in 1997, after receiving his MBA from Columbia University, Robert Pardee was quickly recruited by the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, one of the largest sovereign wealth funds. But shortly after his wife Desiree was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, she fought courageously for 11 years, during which time Robert lovingly took on the role of caregiver. Despite her illness, they created a beautiful life together until her passing in 2009. This life journey taught him about psychology and coaching through practical and hard experience. Since then, he moved to Italy, changed careers, became a certified life coach, international speaker, and most recently, a prolific and thought-provoking writer, culminating in his first book, Chasing Life, the remarkable true story of love, joy, and achievement against all odds. It has truly been an amazing journey, and now let's meet the man who is on that journey, Robert Pardee. Hello, Robert. Hello to the both of you. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Oh, well, we're, we're so happy to have you. to have you. <laughs> I, I am thrilled. And before we go forward, I can't wait to see I Love Lucifer. Oh, yeah? Well, you'll hear so, it. I, I hear <laughs> it. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I can't wait. Can't oh, wait. thank I you, know you so had much. That, so. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. It's well, so much fun. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, just, just one second on that, because when you said see, it's like, that's exactly what we want you to do is like, see everything through your ears. Yes. You know, so we paint a picture with audio and it's so much fun. It was such a challenge. So I hope you like it. But yeah. on to on to you, though, yeah. you are such you are you're quite some human being. You are you are really something else. Yeah. And I am I'm just uh, honored to I'm honored to be able to have this opportunity to talk with you and hear your story of caregiving and also how you how you dove into this community with all you, all that you have and all of your skills and all of your character and and made it such a powerful tool for you to give for yourself and for everybody so you know that it's just you know you don't meet people like you all the time and and it's 
you know, authentic and, and very, very impactful and profound. So thank you for sharing this with us. No, for sure. That, that, thank you. And you're, you're hitting a word that I learned through caregiving. I mean, if caregiving teaches us anything, it's to strip away all the BS, mm-hmm. you know, and to be authentic. I mean, what, why would we carry around so much BS and not live, truly live life, right? So, right. Um, you know, I, I dove in, like you said, because I realized everything I experienced wouldn't have any value if I didn't share it. You know, I remember my grandmother in her curio cabinet and all the little figurines getting dusty, you know, and that would be my experiences if I just left them on a curio cabinet, right? So right. instead of letting them get dusty and just they're there for show is to come out and say, hey, this is what happened. This is what it's about. This is what I learned. Uh, my journey's different than everybody else. But, you know, I think, and I recently said this um, maybe in, in a post caregiving is an extreme boot camp of life. Yep. I mean, you're going to be tested in a million different ways, right? And you're going to, you're going to walk out changed. You're going to work, walk out with new skills, new perspective. Uh, that's why I'm a life coach, right? I was the investment banker and yeah. just didn't sit with, didn't sit inside me anymore. I never really did. I could go into why I actually got into investment banking, but um yeah, after after the experience with Desiree, I just couldn't get back to it. I, I I echo that. I hear, I feel you. I I get it. And it is like boot camp because you know, there you either make it through or you don't. And I don't mean that you know that I think any, anybody can, but some people just don't want to, and yeah. and everything about it frightens them or it seems too hard, so they'd rather not. And that's, that's the, the whole purpose of our conversation is to say, try it, just try it because it's better than anything else. And it's, it, 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 it is, it is worth it. It, it. What you just said is so profound, right? Because the whole idea of it, it's so much better than anything else. People, the idea of caregiving, right, is venturing towards an endpoint no one really wants to recognize. And so how could it be better than anything else? But it's in that acceptance of the journey towards that endpoint mm-hmm. that that's the whole BS, getting rid of the unnecessary. I mean, you know, it's the opportunity to truly connect. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I, I just found it, I was lucky too, because I was, I was married to an amazing woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and who I am today is a, direct reflection of our connection and understanding real connection. So it is, it is so frightening as well, like you said, because, you know, you're also, it's a different language. It's a skill set. You use all of a sudden you show up, you you know, you don't have the skills for the job Mm -mm. and the the job function changes daily sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, this is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to say is I say, you know, if you look past the obligation to the opportunity of caregiving, mm-hmm. that's where it just opens up a world of truly amazing things. It really but, does. Yeah. It really does. It's like, it's, it's that adage of like, you know, we're born, we live, we die. So it's what, but you know, we all have that same, you know, that's, that's the format. 
That's the format we signed up for. And so it's what do you do between those, the, the beginning and the end? And, and you know, well, there's been so much uh, pretense built up, you know, these, all these different frames and, and boxes that we're supposed to, that's what happiness is, or that's what goodness is, or that's what success is. And, you know, who said nobody and I, right. Who said, and also like, you know, at the end of the day, you can't, you can't take any of those boxes with you. The only box you can take is with you here that's all you have. Cause sometimes we don't even have our memories. My mom has Alzheimer's, so she may not have the memories, but she has this. Right. Yeah. And that's what, that's how we communicate. How long, how long did it take till you were able to, first of all, accept it and then lean into it and then embrace it? What was that journey? What was that path? You got ten. You got ten years, Don. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, that that is truly a great question because um, first, I I, sh I should preface right. Um, I I grew up in a rather unusual situation with a an abusive alcoholic dad, so that taught me a lot of life skills to confront um, certain dynamics or fears or events. So when this happened, I think there wasn't necessarily acceptance, but I just turned on that resilience type thing that I had when I was a kid. And my wife was also very strong and it was something we were just going to take care of. You know, it's right. like, all right, well, we're going to get that ax. We're going to chop the crap out of it. And we're just, mm -hmm. when it recurred, um, surprisingly, Desiree was, rather at peace with the recurrence. And I think for her, my wife was, she was very rooted in her beliefs. I mean, she knew the way she wanted to live from mm -hmm. the moment I met her at 17. I mean, she was just, she, was, she knew who she was. Yeah. Um, so at that moment, I think she just said, okay, now I can put this behind me. I don't have to worry about if it's going to come back. Where I was like, all of a sudden, I couldn't fix. And I had to realize, wait a minute, what is my role if I don't fix? Right. Yeah, I was the, I was the warrior with her. And we had a very strange dynamic because she didn't want to know anything about her disease. So I was the one that stayed in the middle. She didn't know the size of her tumor. She didn't know the number of lymph nodes. Many times she didn't know the chemotherapy she was on. As it progressed um, and it right. recurred in her liver, she believed, uh, of course, she wasn't stupid by the end of her life. She had to know, but I kept just saying, no, it's staying in your liver. We're keeping it contained. But um, one of the reasons was because she was an MD PhD student when she was diagnosed. But so when it recurred, I literally had to do the sink or swim. All right. If I'm sitting here fearful and crushed by the idea that this has come back, I'm of no use to her whatsoever. And she's mm -hmm. asking me to be her rock. Right. So what do I do here? And what I realized, and it was, it was rather immediate, maybe after a little small period of drinking a little too much and having to <laughs> cope with it in a way that like, you know, I was like, really, you know, I, we, we, we actually are going to go down that road. But once I broke through that, what I realized was, wait a minute, my role as a caregiver 
is actually to give my wife space to be a human, to be a woman. I'm not there to fix. I'm there to witness. I'm, I'm there to help her achieve what she wants to achieve, but she's not an object. And um, that's one of the reasons why I, I love your podcast as well, because for me, Alzheimer's is, is very interesting because people then start to treat the person as an object or they're not right anymore. And it's right. maybe maybe we just have to come down and learn to communicate with them exactly. instead of expecting them to rise up to us. And in between, what Desiree and I really shared was communication mm-hmm. um, about everything, about um, not about death, let's say. She, we didn't use the word in the house, um, even though she wound up being a palliative care doctor. But, you know, it was what quality of life meant. Right. It was how I want to manage the disease. It's right. how I want to live around the disease. Those were conversations that were so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then conversations around intimacy, which, you know, it, it, it is pretty tough. A woman already loses a part of her body, which is, you know, the feminine part to a certain extent in our society. And then she immediately went into menopause because she did a stem cell transplant. And it was a very rapid type of menopause where um, she couldn't even enjoy her body as a woman. Mm. So, you know, what do you do? Do you avoid that? Or do you jump into that conversation? If we avoided it, that would have been space between us. Yeah. And she would have felt alone. And I think part of being a caregiver, yes, we have to do all those things, right? You know, I flushed ports and I cleaned up vomit and everything else that comes with, you know, um, that type of journey. But so much of it was to sit there and, and listen and acknowledge that she was a human being mm-hmm. and not make it all about the disease. You made space for her. You gave, you there made you space go. for her. Yeah. And, and, and what's, you know, unique about being a caregiver for someone you love, like your wife and like me as a daughter, you know, and albeit as a husband, you're, you, you got the added level of intimacy and those kinds of uh, relationship uh, components that, you know, I don't have with my mother. So I I haven't experienced what that would be like. However, you know, it, it is about, it is about their journey and it's hard because it's, it's, it, it puts, it's a lot of, it's a lot of juggling your own emotion and right. And, and allowing them to go through this natural and even though it's 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 a tragic and it happened too soon, it's part of life. And at one point or another, we're all going to lose each other, you know. So it's it's about allowing them to go through this process. And I I said, and I'm not. I want to go back again. What you said about her when she when it recurred, she wasn't as devastated as you thought she would be. There was a sense of of almost like. Peace. Peace. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I say that, you know, I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch my film, My Mom and the Girl, but when I, that year was the year I walked my mom across the bridge from her defending herself against this disease and being, you know, so, so, you know, uh, stubborn, you know, and offended by it to she emb- embraced it because she had no other choice. And yeah. she was suddenly at peace and it's the, and it made, and it filled my heart because I know that she wasn't 
ridden with anxiety anymore because she, in her, in her way, she said, got it. This is it. I'm down with it. I'm there. That that's, that's the whole premise behind surrender, right? That, that is so amazing when we sit there and we say, okay, this is what it is. And I, I think it was for my wife. I mean, you know, the hope was it would be chronic. Um, and honestly, to tell you the truth for a woman that was diagnosed in 1998, living 11 years, basically with metastatic breast cancer for nine and a half of them, um, without the drugs we have today was amazing. So, you know, we looked at it as maybe this, this could continue, but it is that whole idea of fighting against something you can't control. Holy crap. Do you waste a lot of energy and and then you feel like a victim to the whole thing yes and when you start looking at what you can control and the first thing we can control is acceptance even as the caregiver you know did 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 i want to go down that road did i want to know my wife was going to pass away most likely i mean maybe there was going to be a cure but um no but what you said is and this was such a hard lesson and Don, it sort of ties back to what, what you were saying earlier as well. I had to realize it was not about me. It was, of course, about me because we were the unit, but it was it was her journey. And if I was playing the, you know, I'm tired, I'm angry, I've had enough of this, this isn't fair, we're just wasting energy on Bullshit. Ridiculous. On bullshit. Yeah. 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 And it's, and you go back to because it's different because men are naturally, they want to solve all problems. And some women too. Some women. There's some women too, but (laughs) in general, yes. But it's like if you're not fixing it, you're not doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And therefore, which causes, you know, it's bad for both sides because sometimes is it better to just ask the person, what do you want? What, how can we make this, or do you, or is that a question? Is that a good question or is that a bad question? I, I love that you brought that up. First, can I say, um, if anyone suffered the Superman comp- complex, it was me. I swear, I had dreams of being Superman and flying and sometimes not being able to get off the ground. I mean, it was just, you know, I wanted to fix it all. I wanted to find the cure. I learned more about all kinds of herbal supplements and everything else that you, you could possibly imagine, right? Those two o'clock in the mornings when you can't sleep. But the question is also, actually also, I think the question that needs to be asked in medicine, and that's part of palliative care. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were very lucky with her doctors that asked, how can I help you? And so the same type of thing, my, my, my wife, if I didn't ask those questions, then I would have fought against a lot of decisions and I, we wouldn't have been uh, a team in it. We would have been two parties looking at it from different angles. Right. And it's so important. It, that's why, you know, so care, caregiving journeys are so different. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be caring for someone that else has Alzheimer's and sometimes can't answer those questions. I was just going to say that to you. I was going to say to the audience too, you know, there's, there's the, the, the one of the, the biggest, you know, 
problems with that, with that being a caregiver for someone with dementia or Alzheimer's, is that if we don't have discussions ahead of time, we'll never know what they really want because we don't have, we've lost that moment. We lost that window. And so we have to play, you know, we have to do our second guessing the best that we can. And, you know, empathy, 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 try to put yourself in that position, you know, try to remember who that person is, was, and what would they want? What would they like? What, what, how, how, what is the best for them, you know? And, and so that's, that is, that is the, that is one of the the problems with someone with, with memory issues. So for sure. But having the conversation at the beginning is also so, so important. And mm -hmm. a lot of people avoid these conversations because they are difficult because you are then saying, this is what we're dealing with. You know, you're actually talking about the pink elephant in the room, which makes people uncomfortable, right? So um, we, we did, we were, we spoke all the time. And like I said, we didn't speak about death. We didn't speak about, except that I know that she wanted to be cremated. We didn't speak about any real logistics or anything like that. Um, but we talked about quality of life. We talked about what she needed. Um, we had many an argument that she didn't want to be married to a parent. If I was like, don't eat the donut. It's got sugar. Sugar feeds cancer, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so um, you, you have to find your footing as well. And it's hard because this is when we can talk about the ego and it's very hard to understand defining the ego, except for the fact that the ego says that we're the center of what's happening. And in a caregiving role, you can't be the center. Right. You know? That's right. So, That's um, right. Yeah. And it's hard to be, it's hard to be selfless sometime. Oh, oh for sure. <laughs> it really is. Oh, yeah. and I, but that's okay. But that's okay. <laughs> it's okay if we, that's, we are human as well. Yeah. So we make yeah. mistakes and we can, oh, you know, I feel, I think if you show up, you're a hero, just showing up, you're a hero because so many people don't show up. So many people don't show up. Don't show up. So the, the other thing as well, this, this whole idea of, and, and I love that you said it, we're human. You know, we have this idea of our best. And, you know, I know at least for me, that definition was running at 110%, whether it was my career, mm -hmm. you know, when I was on, in investment banking or whatever it was, it was 110%. Mm -hmm. Our best is fluid. It's our intention, which should always be 110%. But if we wake up and it's been 48 hours and we finally got a little sleep and we're just groggy, you know what? If we can only give 20%, then make it the best 20% it can be. But accept the fact that today I'm at 20. That's right. That's right. We put Absolutely. a lot of pressure on ourselves. It, it, and, it, and it helps avoid one thing that's, that caregivers always go through, which is guilt, which is guilt, but doing anything for yourself is well I've, if i'm doing something for myself i'm not being a good caregiver which is quite the opposite <laughs> you yeah. have to take care of yourself did you find there were times it's like you know what i just want to go out and get a drink with my friend and i and, but if i do that i'm not being a good caregiver I, how, how did you deal with stuff like that um the the guilt the guilt was definitely there not necessarily um again it was with the recurrence because all of a sudden right. There was the time aspect of it. There was just, there was a lot involved. A lot of emotions came up, but 
what you said is is so is so valuable. Think about showing up for a job and you haven't slept for 48 hours and you have a critical job. Maybe you're a surgeon. It's more likely you're going to make a mistake, right? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. you need you need the rest to perform. Uh-huh. You need the self-care to perform. We sort of forget that equation when we are a caregiver dealing with a loved one for some right. strange reason, but we can actually do harm right. if we're not caring for ourselves. And again, I probably was very blessed that my wife was in the medical profession and there's the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. And I realized that is really f- for everybody. You know, if you run yourself into, and sometimes you have to, forget yeah. about it. You know, there's, there's just no way you can, you can go out and, you know, get a drink or a massage or I was someone that had to run. So if I didn't go out running yet, yeah, then, yeah. you know, it was just, it was my way to let everything out. In Italian, it's, it sounds so much better. It's called sfogarsi. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things like you just blow it all out of you and then you come back. Right. Um, but it was, it was hard to manage all of that. And also, I wanted to hang out with my friends, but I didn't want that, you know, the help head Bob, is everything okay? Yeah. You know what? No, I, Hey, let's talk about the game or something. I right. don't want to be asked how, you know, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. appreciate, I appreciated it, but a lot of that self-care is to say, I need to step out of that whole role. Exactly. And yeah. I want to talk, I want to talk normal language. I'm sure Susie, you speak a different language. You speak medical speak now. You know a lot of different things, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was able to throw out those words and and I was like, wow, you know what? I'd like to just talk about, you know, a, a baseball new, game or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about Steve Madden's new shoe. That's, I get it. <laughs> there you go. No, I get it because it's like, no, you know, and I, I think of it all the time now because my mom is, you know, the, Alzheimer's is either a very swift disease or it can be the longest goodbye. And my mom has taken the longest goodbye. And if I get, you know, esoteric about it, I I thank the universe because I was one of my biggest is one of my biggest fears is losing her. So she, she gave me a long exit to get used to it, you know, because we used to my mom is extremely witty even now like I can get her you know I can see the the wheels turning she can't get find the words but boy there was something funny coming out you know (laughs) and so you know she'd always say Duffy don't go I'm not going anywhere what do you mean die I'm not going (laughs) that's like I got stuff to do right (laughs) so you know but when people ask me now how's your mom I have no idea how to answer that that's a freaking huge question and I can't I can't address it I always say she's the same She's just the same. She's my mom. I can't say, you know, what, I, it, yeah, it's very difficult. And I, like you, when I first, when she first got diagnosed, I was like, and it was my ego saying, mom, I've got this. We're going to kick its ass. I know other people haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do that. We're going to figure out how to beat this little, this little jerk. And, you know, my mom was, I, even in the beginning, my mom was like, stop. Because she knew, she knew, Yeah. you know, and um, she's very practical about that. And I, I love her because I, you know, she, she is the, the voice, she is the voice of reason. I just, I can see it in her eyes. She's a voice of reason. You know, she's very, she's a joie de vie, but it's like, you know, it is what it is. Well, you know, how you just said about, you know, in, in the eyes, um, I could imagine as well, you've learned to communicate 
in a deeper way. There might not be the words sometimes, but you're communicating and you're feeling actually her expressions. You're not listening anymore. And yeah. that must in and of itself touch very deeply. Yeah. Do you have children? No, unfortunately, um, because Desiree, when she was diagnosed, she decided to go for a stem cell transplant. And the first day of this, and the way it worked is it was basically 24 hours of chemotherapy for one week. So they're really just bringing your body to the brink of death. And then they put your, your stem cells back in um, after they had radiated them or something, but she went into menopause immediately. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. I was, the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, I have two daughters and, and raising my daughters from, from, you know, these nuggets of just, you know, cells of, you know, (laughs) these little pictures from a, from a ultrasound to these women. And, you know, I, I see, and I call it Benjamin Button because I see how my mom is doing She's stepping backwards the way that they've stepped forwards and one day will step backwards the same way. And the skills that she had, she'll lose. But at some point, they're the same. So when you communicate with a, a new a new human, it's all intention. Yes. They don't know words. It's all intention. It's all with, you know, it's unspoken communication. And it's really powerful. Your your babies know if you're upset. Your babies know if you're happy, if they feel safe, if they feel loved, or if they feel fear. Yeah. And that's how it is the same for an adult who's losing those skills that they once had. So they're relying on other skills, which is intuition, intention, and, and feeling. Right. And so you do, you have to readjust. And so you can't communicate like I, like we communicate together. I have to communicate, I, you know, my, my mom's language. Right. And that, that, that's so powerful because instead of trying to drag her back to something that is, is actually impossible to get back to at this moment. Yeah. You, you meet her where she is. And, and I think that's, that's a great metaphor for, any sort of caregiving journey, the caregiver needs to meet the person where they are. Yes. Um, again, Don, it, it gets to that whole thing of you saying sometimes it is very hard to be selfless and it is very hard for all of those different things. It goes back to, at the beginning, I said, you know, um, obligation and opportunity. The opportunity is to, to show up and to learn to let that stuff go and to learn about giving because really what we're all doing, like you said at the beginning, it's space. We are giving space um, for that person we're caring for. And again, I, you know, maybe because Desiree and I, we met when we were so young, she was 17 and I was 19. So we also grew up together. Maybe that had some insight into the way things worked between us. Um, Also Desiree, she lived a very interesting philosophy of not believing in judgment at all, um, even to herself. So she only ever wanted to know she was doing her best, which is where maybe I learned that whole idea of best. So she never knew her GPA. She never knew her grades on exams. She never knew her grade on the MCATs. So the idea that she didn't want to know anything about her disease and just wanted to know she was doing her best and she was being aggressive, 
made perfect sense. Oh, I love it, that. It, it what an extraordinary me. woman. What an extraordinary it's... woman she was. Uh, but that's, the... that allows her to live at her fullest. Because if you're sitting there and worrying about something you can't control, you're, you're okay, that's it. it. That's that's your life then. You do not, you're not living life. You're just yeah. living in what may be or will be. And and that's not a good place or what to be. Is, or so, what isn't yeah. or what, and if, what was. Yeah. All, all, all of that, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, Susie, you know, any illness journey is full of losses. And each of those losses has a grieving aspect to it. And if you're just focusing on the things that have fallen away, um, that whole experience, that existence is is a waste, really, because there's so much that's that's gained and it requires us to look for that as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like it's like when my my first daughter's father, who is still we're divorced, but we're still family, you know, we're very close. We also met as teenagers. So, and, um, you know, we have different ways of looking at life and, and Rick, my ex has always mourned every passage of time with my daughter, you know, our daughter, he's just, you know, he, 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 he has, he's very sentimental and he's reminisces and, you know, pines for certain. And I have always, I don't know why, but it's just been, I, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of is that I just love every stage of them. And I don't miss, yes, I love them as babies. They were, my <laughs> girls were adore. you know, I wanted to chew them up and eat them up. And, and I, <laughs> I loved us, you know, having babies was the most amazing thing in the world, but I love every stage of them. I love them as women. I love them as horrible teenagers. I loved it all. I loved it all. And I, I will love it all. And I think that that's, we have to love every stage of, of, of our, the people that we love and accept it. Right. And, and otherwise we're missing out. If and you're every pining, moment, every yeah. moment <laughs> that's, it's I living in the present. <laughs> I love that you said that, Don. I love it. Cause that's, that's really what it, what it all came down to. And I mean, Susie, even the way you talk about your mom, you can see there's joy written all over your face. You know, and so that shows that you're living in moments of joy, regardless of what's going on. And that's really what I learned more than anything else is that re regardless of adversity and, you know, Viktor Frankl wrote about this, the, the, you know, Socrates wrote about these things. So it's not like it's anything new was that regardless of the things around us, there, there is always joy. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, you know, you were there and like Don said, in that present moment, the present moment is where there's joy. I always say, you know, 99.9% .9 of the population will be taken by a rainbow. Like for that one brief second, they're 100% present. They look at it, they mm -hmm. smile. That's joy. We just have to lean into it. Yeah. You know, we, can, we can't pursue joy like, like a goal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just always there. So can you find it in whatever is going on? Um, and that I think is for me, one of the things I realized in the caregiving journey was it gave me the ability to say, really, who the F do I want to be? Like, do I want to stay fearful this whole trip? Um, because you know, who knows, maybe my time, I was supposed to be on the 
the top of the World Trade Center during September 11th. I had a meeting on the top floor in Windows on the World. Aye. And I happened to cancel it at 7.30 that morning. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, and, and so I was like, you know, yeah, we sort of, we know her train, <sighs> right? And it, it's well-defined. Maybe, maybe my, my train is going to stop before hers gets to her destination. Right, we don't, yeah. yeah we don't yeah. know, yeah. We don't. We, we don't know. And it, it was, it's just, it's so powerful, the idea, the present moment. And it's gotten, I think, so foo-foo-y and everyone likes to use the term, the present moment. And you know what? It just means being conscious. Yeah. You know, be conscious. And to, in tune. Well, this with, is all yeah. we have, you know, and it's, and I, I say that too, that my mom really, if you, or anybody that has, especially you know, uh, issues with memory, they're only living in the moment. They can only live in the moment because they can't remember 10 seconds ago. So if you, if, you know, in some ways it's the greatest gift you can ever get because it teaches you how to live in the moment and how not to work. You know, I remember my brother said to me, um, towards the beginning of her disease. And I was like, you, you know, you don't visit mom enough, I would say. And I get frustrated and he'd say, she doesn't remember anyway. It doesn't matter. And I know that that perspective is shared by a lot of people that it doesn't matter because she won't remember. Well, it does matter. She does. She might not remember. They the remember way. in a different way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. they, you know, we yeah. always say that, you know, it's, yeah, they don't remember here, but they remember here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's cumulative. And like Susie always says, when you go, when you go to the, you know, the, you can see who hasn't been visited. And they all have the same, you know, cognitive memory issue, but you can tell who has not been visited and who has been because it does get in in a different way. You just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's sad. And um, that's why, you know, we talk about, like you mentioned in, in your uh, post yesterday about, you know, it's not about reframing. And I wanted to bring that up, you know, in some ways it, for me, it is about reframing how we look at it because because in the sense that if if i if i can take the same situation yes it's got bad there's bad there's definitely bad i don't want to see my mom like this i, I she's such she she has such gifts to her but guess what she still has those gifts because when i go to visit her or you know zooming for the last 18 months with her you know and people go oh They'll pop in the camera and go, oh, is that your mom? We love her. And how do they love her? She doesn't even talk to any, you know, but she'll give up. I know that she's communicating to them because she'll go, you know, and or she'll say, and she wants to kiss them because she because she gets it across. She makes sure. it work. And, you know, so it is for me, it was about reframing in, in terms of saying, yes, bad is there, but bad is everywhere. Right. And we can't be Pollyannas about it. This, yes, there is bad. And we're going to, we'll take that on. That's what we do as human beings. But let's not forget about the good just because there's bad. 100%. And, and the idea, because re reframing is, a lot of people believe that reframing is talking yourself into something that maybe isn't logical or a lot, a lot of people just, they, they right. think of it in the wrong way. So what you, what you're saying is true is that, um, even though there's bad, th there is good, right? So 
the idea of benefit finding is then saying, so, you know, what are, the, then you define them and you define what are those things. And the reason I brought that up in that post is because I hear a lot of people talking about how, and it's true, caregiving is difficult and is exhausting. It's not all that. It's that. And there's a lot, there's a lot else, you know, right. you, you like gain all skills. of life, like all, all of, of life, like, like all of life. And I think recently I've just heard a lot more people talking about the frustrating aspect of caregiving. And um, if you sit in that camp, then wow, it's an obligation and it's heavy and it's mm -hmm. draining. But if you look at it more as all the things that you're getting from it and how you're stretching yourself and how you're opening yourself up, you use the word at the very beginning, vulnerability. That's our, our like superpower, really. Like if you're wearing armor all the time, you're really not engaging in life and you're, you don't know who you are. You yeah. define your strength because of the armor, because right. you're protected. Take it off and learn how strong you are. Right. And that, that's when you're giving of yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can, and it's okay. You, you might not be strong. You might, might, you know, like I, when I, in the beginning, in the first couple of years of my mom, I would go and visit her when, when I had to put her in, in um, assisted living. And I always come in like, you know, um, Susie Sunshine. And then I'd, I'd go and hug her. And then on over her shoulder, I'd boo-hoo-hoo. And then <laughs> yeah. I'd wait till it came back. And, go, and then I'd be back again. Cause, and that, you know, and I was like, I had to give myself a break. I didn't want to cry in front of her because I didn't want her to feel bad right. or misinterpret. So I just, but now, you know, now I'm over, now I, now I'm very strong, but you know, doesn't, it's, it's okay not to be strong. It well, just, right. Yeah, well, I, that that's that's so cool right because um strength does not mean you're numb to it yes. strength actually means you feel it yeah and you allow yourself to feel yes. it yes so yes 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 you're crying the whole bit and then you're going to be like all right that's over with now let's sing a song let's, let's sing a song <laughs> right but that's what that's what i mean by strength we the the idea of numbing yourself from the whole thing is is not strength or strength avoiding. is actually yeah, yeah avoiding it's it's going into the fire coming back out and being ready to do it again yes but knowing that you have to feel all those emotions yes you know my wife never never saw me cry in fact we were we were on the oprah winfrey show this is this is before it was um the internet really so it's not available on the internet but when they were filming us they you know asked me to sort of you know look like i collapsed in the hospital or cry and i'm like but I didn't do that. Right. And, you know, I, my, my wife didn't see that. Um, and I didn't believe that, that, that was valuable. Now, when her, after her cancer recurred, um, she had an amazing oncologist and he called me into his office to talk about the results. He'd never done that. Now my wife was at work. I left my apartment building. It was March. New York City apartments are really hot. So I was wearing shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. <laughs> I left dressed like that. It was bitter cold, walked to his office. I cried every step. I walked into his office. I saw the, the, the nursing staff with tears in their eyes as soon as I walked yeah. in. It was, I knew I was going to have that conversation I didn't want to have. Right. Um, 
But in front of her, I was like, that doesn't serve her. That's not what she needs to see. Right. So like you said, you know, you hugged your mom. She didn't see it. Boo -hoo -hoo. Yeah. So yeah, strength, strength is feeling it all. That's for me, strength is feeling it all. I agree. I agree. It's interesting. Your story, it, you know, Valerie Harper was played the lead in my, in our movie about my mom. And she, she played, um, she was, you know, she, I don't know if you know Valerie, who she yeah, is. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And so she, she was given three months to live like eight years before that. And, um, and she, you know, listen, she wasn't happy about that at all. Right. Who would be, but yeah. she decided to, you know, uh, she said, always said, I'm not going to my funeral before I'm ready. I'm not going to go. But I'm, I don't want to be at my funeral until I'm dead. So she said, <laughs> I'm alive. Like, because, yeah. and like I would, and I'd say, oh my God, she is my mother because my would say all the time when my mom could speak still. And I'd say, mommy, how are you today? She'd go, I'm alive. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, and that's how Val was. And and because of that attitude, I mean, Val lives and lived another 10 years. She passed away to oh, like two years ago now. Yeah. After our film. And 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 she was she was so accepting of it. It was more about her husband. She was worried about, you know, Tony, who was like just like you, her champ and her, you know, he was like, come on, you're walking. Italian, by the way, too, okay. right? <laughs> Italian who wanted to be Jews. So it okay. was like, they were basically like, I had to get them a female rabbi for the, for the services because they just, they're like, you know, and my stepfather, by the way, who since passed, he's, he's an Italian Jew. So we're all the same. Okay. Okay. We are all the same regardless, right? <laughs> regardless. But, you know, but it reminds me so much of that philosophy. Cause you know, when you have somebody like your wife and, and Valerie, who are such gifts in the way that they are embracing their life. And it's, it's, it's a gift and it's a beautiful, amazing, like I, I could just cry thinking of Valerie, not because I'm sad about her, but because I feel so blessed that I got to spend such a significant amount of time with this amazing freaking wonderful human being that that filled changed my life not because she was in my movie but because she entered my life right. and I love her so much like and and that that's because of the way she approached I saw it in the way she approached her 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 diagnosis it's extraordinary well, and she got to live every moment of her life uh, every moment of her life you know because some people stop living during their life <laughs> it's like I have now stopped living. And I'm, I'm loving Don, by the way, because he sort of re reads my mind. And this is a perfect segue. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. <laughs> because th that that is that is so true. Like you said, you're asking your mom, and she's well. I'm I'm alive. Uh, you can because when when Desiree first was was diagnosed, I started just reading about stoicism. But like one of the stoic stoic practices is, you know, when you wake up in the morning it's like a gift. You, you, you wake up, you know, with curiosity and wonder, you're like, wow, I get another day, you know? So, um, or you go to bed at night, you're like, well, maybe this is it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how often do, does the majority, let's say of people, and this is comes from the work that I've been, I do with people, they don't wake up to live their life until they get that piece of paper from a doctor. And 
like you said, you know, Valerie lived every moment of her life. We should all be doing that. And in a way, that's one of those things when you are a caregiver and there, there is this shift that takes place when someone is diagnosed and you see them all of a sudden savor. And I love the word savor, right? They savor their life. And you're saying now, even with your mom, like she want to do, give the kisses, right? She's she's in that moment, right? Um, so I think I think it is so important to to understand the idea of living life while we have it. Mm-hmm. And um, well, that it's it's yeah. I mean, it's almost like literally like if you say one th- one sentence in two different ways. You say, oh, my God, you wake up, oh, my God, I'm 88 years old. Or, oh, my God, I'm 88 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm a freaking because, rock star. <laughs> yeah, because when you consider the alternative. Yeah, it's like, well, my mom, always, be- yeah, my mom always has said that. She goes, yeah, oh, getting old is not for the faint at heart, but the alternative sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, what, 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 you're, what you're saying right now as well, that, that whole idea of, you know, um, Oh my God, I'm 88 years old. You know, that's allowing yourself to be wondrous and curious yeah. and, and just have fun, like play, right? But when when I talk to people about Desiree and they're like, oh, you know, it's, it, it's so sad. She lived a short life. You know, she was just about to turn 41. She died when she was 40. Um, I say, you know what? It's not about measuring life based on the number of years, <laughs> but the amount of joy. Yeah. Right. And she lived an accelerated but full, joyful life. Yep. It's quality, not quantity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My father died in a plane crash at 46. And um, he was extremely impactful in the in the music industry in terms of his his innovation of sound. He was an engineer and all, all kinds of things that I won't go into it. But he I always say my dad lived five lifetimes in 46 years. Like I, I, I think about being his age now and going, Oh my God, how did he achieve that much in that much, you know, a span of time and what an amazing life he's had. And he's left a legacy and he's in history books and he's, and he's my, my hero. And, you know, and, um, and he lived a life. He lived a huge life and that's what you all you can hope for, right? That's all we can hope for. And, and this comes from the little girl that's been afraid to die her whole life since she's three years old. Like I have a, running out of my bed going, dad, I do, where do you go when you die? And he'd go, you're three years old, go back to bed. <laughs> you have like a hundred years, you know? I was always worried about what's gonna happen instead of living now. Right, right. And you know, the whole idea of, because I, I know a lot of people that, even my, my mom, I, I can tell you my mom, she's, she's not the healthiest at 80 years old. And um, her grandmother, which was my great grandmother, Grandma Bridget, you know, lived to 102 or something. And my mom is like, I'm going to be Grandma Bridget. And so, so I'm like, you know, why? And she's like, well, you know, I don't want to give it all up. And I think sometimes that's heavy to carry because we all got to give it up. Yeah. You know, and if you're, if you're holding on so tightly and I, I love to do that, you know, cause I, I, with your hands, if you just think about it, how are you going to grab another opportunity? 
if you're oh, just that's holding beautiful. this tight. Right? That's beautiful. So. Oh, I love that, Robert. That's so beautiful. If you can't <laughs> see it, you're listening. You got to go look at our YouTube because it's really good. Yeah, that's really nice. That's really, I, I want to um, go back to one thing when we were talking about sure. taking care of yourself as a caregiver. Mm. And, and that caregivers need caregiving from others. Yes. And it's hard to ask for that, especially, you know, from your family and friends. And I think it's because there's a fear there that it was just like you were talking about before. The one thing you didn't want to hear when you went out for a drink was, oh, my God, you didn't want the sympathy, the pity. You didn't want to talk about it. And I think we can help other people help us by telling them that. Say, so, you know what? Let's go grab a drink. I don't want to talk about it. Let's go just have a good time. And it takes that pressure off of them it take, and that helps them care give you. Right. Um, I know this is off the subject of what we were just talking about, but when we were in it, I wanted to bring this up because I think it's really important for caregivers to get caregiving. Right. It's so, that's so important. And the thing, what you just said is somewhere along the line, we've all become afraid to communicate what we need. I, I I don't know why that why that has happened, um, but it is that it is saying hey. For, first of all, for me, when you enter the caregiving space, it only be it almost comes like becomes a natural selection process because there are some people that just don't know how to deal with you anymore, and there are some people that that want to come in and help. And if you just come out and say, "This is what I'm going through." This is who I am. This is what I need. Are you with me? Let the pieces fall where they may. But the thing is, we need to communicate that. But mm -hmm. we need to communicate that as people. Yeah. Stop trying to fit in or make others happy or all the other things that go on. Because actually what we're doing is we're betraying ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the disease to please for the majority of my life. And so trying to be a caregiver and then please other people is a, a, just a recipe for failure and for, for you know, your own um, de detriment because you can't do it all. And, you know, I, you can really see who your true friends are. And I'm not saying to use that as weaponize that, but you can see who they are in these kinds of times. So, yes. you know, I had, I had one friend that was such, suppose we were very close, I thought. And I, I asked, you know, there was years have gone by and she's never once asked to visit my mom or meet my mom. And I thought that's very strange that she wouldn't want to. Um, maybe it's coming from her fear. She doesn't want, but, but, you know, she's a big girl. She's a woman, <laughs> you know, it's like she is a mother and, you know, come on. And I even, so I thought, well, let me give her the benefit of the doubt. I invited her several times. Do you want to come with me on a Sunday? Just come. And I'd love you to meet my mom before, well, she, whatever's still there is there, you know, and it never happened. And I got to, I had to finally have a, a coming to Jesus conversation with myself going, is this a friend or am I, am I, you know, putting characteristics into her that I want to see? And because I don't want to lose this friendship. And I think, you know, there's, there's another gift in that is that you learn, okay, who are your, who are real, who are the real people, who are the authentic people in your life? We don't have time for everything. Who's on your team? Who's on your team? <laughs> Who's on your team? I call Who's it team, team, team Norma and <laughs> team Susie and team Don and team Robert, you know, and, and it's fair. 
it's fair to make that those decisions. It's yeah. right. And it's, you know, it's, it's team Norma, Susie, Don, Robert, it's team everybody. It shouldn't just be during caregiving. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 it's, it's find those people that really are aligned with you. And there, there's so much involved in that because like with your friend, I can't tell you how many people were afraid to actually see the reality because they're fearful it may happen to them. Yes. And so that's that's when you're really in your your ego, right? And you're not seeing how how you can help. But that whole idea of of self-care and also self self-care is like Don you said is needing a community. You do need a community. And you need a community that you know your role in your life changes. And that has an impact on the expectations you had for your life, which has an an impact on your identity. Mm -hmm. And so you need some people around you to connect with a part of your identity that maybe you're not able to really connect with in the caregiving role anymore. Um, I worked with a great guy in in Dubai. um, And I have to say, he was just phenomenal. giving me space to take care of my wife and, and, and he, he loved her. But the thing was, he knew we had that conversation. So we'd get together and he would, all he would say is, bro, you're okay. And I would say, yeah. And he's like, ah, let's go do this. Let's go do that. It was just that one moment. He wanted me to know he cared yeah, and that he was acknowledging the situation I was in, but not making that situation, my identity. Got it. That's classy. I love right. that. Because yeah. because if you do that, then you never you never you do need a break from it. Yeah. <laughs> you you well, need that a, mental yeah, break from it. You're a full person. And it's not what yeah. you and that's not it doesn't it doesn't define you. It's part of who you are. Yeah. Yes. It's not all of you. It's yeah. not all of you. Yeah. You're I right. Talk ab- all the, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say you're right about the fear though. People are afraid, you know. Yeah. People don't want to see it like my I just reconnected with my my niece my nephew and his wife and and um you know it's because care you know i'm sure you've heard this or you've experienced this but when you know when things hit the fan you know people either step up or they turn you know stage left and and my brother did a stage left and i made excuses for him for a very long time because oh he's he's scared oh he's he's had a rough time. Oh, this or that. But at some point you got to go, okay. And I, when I say this man up, I mean, man up, woman up, person up, person up, person up, up. come on, let's strap them on and let's go. We are all in this (laughs) together. And, you know, and I, and it's, you know, it's, this is a long journey. And um, my, my nephew's wife, who's so empathetic and such a lovely soul. She said, I, I talk to Mark and my brother every once in a while. And I say, you got to go visit your mom. And he goes, yeah, I know. I know. I just, it, 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 I just don't, I don't know what I, I can't, I'm afraid. He's afraid. He's yeah. afraid to see her. And that makes, that's so sad to me that we're afraid that anybody is afraid to see someone's life where it is now. Yes. Why? Well, because, because it's, it's on that, it's, it's on that train, right? So it's seeing someone um, that's concluding their life journey. We don't know how long that's going to be. Right. But, and that, 
scares so many people. We're not meant to survive life. So the idea of, you know, being afraid to witness that approach towards end of life or finishing someone's life journey robs you of the time that you have with that person. Um, and if, like you said, you know, you can't, you can't communicate with them, emotions still, they, they, they communicate, they, they're tangible. Um, I, I, I truly think that when this is all over and I have no idea, but um, I think we are just a collection of all the emotions we felt. And I love a kaleidoscope. I actually have one, I carry it with me everywhere. And I, I think we're just that, like that kaleidoscope, all those colors are all the different emotions and experiences we've had. And so if you're letting fear stop you from connecting with your, your mom, who's going through something difficult, you've robbed yourself of that connection of her love, of your love for her. And you've colored it with just one color, fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that kaleidoscope metaphor. I'm, I am like a, a go buy one. They're so cool. <laughs> oh, I love kaleidoscope. Don, what am I about color? Like, what do you color. say? I all color all the time. Because yeah. I, you say I'm like a cat. Like, what do you? What's that? Well, metaphor? no. I mean, literally. I mean, she is a cat, and color is yarn. And okay. she could be, you know, I'm doing this and the, what, yeah, what, yellow, green. I mean, she, <laughs> I color love is. color. Just, I am, I love it so much. It makes me happy. Like, you know, pops of color everywhere. And I love color and I love, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it gets my attention and I, and I, and it, it makes me happy. And I think that that's because I like, I like life. I like all of life and I like it's all the variety. colors of it's... it. Yeah. <laughs> I like all the colors and I like it to be happy and bright and cheerful and, and um, bold. Why not be bold? Absolutely. Well, that, that, just that question, right? Someone that's bold is going to put fear to the side and step in and go see mom. Right. And it's so funny because we're raised by the same human being. And my mother, one of the things she taught me was to be bold. My mom would we'd be out and out and about and my mom would stop a, a gorgeous woman that was walking by. My mom's five foot tall and go, excuse me, but you are unbelievably gorgeous. And Jesus Christ, <laughs> are you good looking? And the woman would just go, what? thank you. Thank you. No, don't thank me. Thank God. Just yeah. <laughs> and my mom was so bold that way. And I'd, I remember when I was a teenager, I'd be really embarrassed. And now I, I just want to be like her because she made so many people so happy because she, she connected. Just, she connected. She broke down all those those filters and, and, you know, screens that we put up and and jealousy and everything. My mom didn't have a jealous bone in her body. Just doesn't, you That's know, beautiful. Yeah. That's just beautiful. like, wow, you're gorgeous. Look at those legs for days. Oh. I want to go visit Norma. Right? Ne ne come next on. time, I want to come say hello to Norma. Oh, please do. She'll love you. She'll eat you up. She loves, I say, I always say she has more game with men than I do ever. Now, <laughs> now, in, in the state that she's in now, she lo she loves a good, she would be, right, Don? She would say to Don. Yeah, you'll, you'll have to see our film. You'll get a sense of her. I mean, Valerie plays her, you yeah. know, so beautifully. And then there are outtakes at the end with her in, you know, yeah. in it. and you'll get a sense of who she is. And I think she's right, right up your alley. She, yeah, she, yeah, you'd love it. Like, <laughs> I can a, tell there, you would connect with her in two seconds. Yeah, there's cool. a scene with the valet when she lived with me. I lived in a uh, live loft workspace in Universal City. And 
so there was ballet. It was like you're living in a in a in a studio, and every day she'd walk up to the ballet because they knew her by now and go, you're, you know, you're very good looking. I'm I'm very wealthy. Just just thought I'd say that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they just go and they loved her to bits. They loved her, you know. And so it. it it's, it's just the being bold is phenomenal because if you're fearful of how people, what are they going to think of you? Who gives a shit? Like my mom would say, who gives a shit? You don't like me. I don't like you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that whole, if you, if you think of, and here's, here's a crazy thing because they say something like we have 27,000 days. That's the average life. And if we just only had $27,000 in the bank, we'd be pretty careful how we spent those dollars. So that idea of, of fear or fear of someone's going to accept you or fear of missing out and all the other fears, wow, are we just wasting a lot of those dollars, right? Because yes. it's, a, it's a currency. Time is a currency. It's yeah. the only and currency, And you cannot yes. take that with you. You cannot take the, that currency with you. Exactly. You know? The 27,000, if you're still living, yeah, I kind of still need the 27,000. But you know what? You got to spend the other currency, the life currency, because you can't, that's something you're not taking with you. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's, there was a great quote, and I wish I could remember who said it, but it's, you know, every morning waking up and saying, am I spending today as if it's my last day meaning am i am i making those trips because you know what if if we've offended people or you know we're wearing something that's way too colorful for something and people yeah. think we're 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 crazy um there's there's a, this beautiful woman named jennifer that I, I recently met and um she has stage four breast cancer and she has rainbow colored hair and she's like what the heck do i care it makes me happy <laughs> right and so it's that idea of if we are trying to stay, and you said this earlier, Susie, those, those boxes, right? If mm -hmm. we're staying, trying to stay in those boxes, well, who the hell defined that box? Exactly. Because I don't think I was born to be in someone else's box. Yes. I've never been in that box. I can't <laughs> stay in that box. I'm claustrophobic. Be your own box. Yeah, I'm claustrophobic. Be your own box. Be your own box. <laughs> be your own box. <laughs> hashtag, be, hashtag be your own box. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was just, this is, uh, we could, we, I think we could talk for the next Oh my God. I love you hours. so much, Robert. <laughs> I love I think, you guys too. Really. I love you so, 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 so much. I wanted to say one thing before we wrap up, Don, yeah. I know we've gone too long, but I just wanted to say, I was reading this book that Don got from his friend's father's funeral. They gave this book out like to everybody. But one of the things that I read from it has to do with what you were saying, um, Robert, is that, you know, there's what he learned about happiness was two things. When times are bad, you should have grace. And when times are good, you should be grateful because both good and bad will pass. Wow. I, I absolutely love it. First, grace and graceful. I'm going to take that away. For Isn't that sure. gorgeous? That's just beautiful. And that whole idea, how often do we use this too shall pass and we mm -hmm. we use it all for, the time for only the bad things and then we're shocked when the good things change but that's what life actually is it's just it's movement 
through things. It's fluidity, yeah. Now, what what really, and this is what Viktor Frankl says in his book, and other people have said that, I wish I could remember, there's an amazing woman, she was also a Holocaust survivor, she's like 96, and she's done a TED Talk recently, I mean, she's just amazing, um, and all that stuff changes if we can become the master of our mindset to always be in that state of joy or wonder and everything else, that's the thing we have control over more than anything. Else. Right. That's why I love that concept of grace and gratefulness. Grateful. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're in the happy, you don't realize that you need to be grateful for it because it will pass. It's just, that's just the way it is. And it's how do we want to show up? With grace and gratefulness. gratefulness. And it's I have, wonderful. I'm grateful for you, Don. What do we always say when we, at the end of our show? Well, first of all, I, I do want to note this may be our first show where the time of day changed during it. When we started, it was completely bright out there. Yeah, you, 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 you <laughs> and, noticed. And now it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> the, the, the the east coast in you know the late fall so it's yeah wow, crazy. I, love that's it. true. I love it beautiful well um i i we do say this at the end of every show and it, and i think this show really uh you know epitomizes what we do say and that is love is powerful love is contagious and love conquers alls and we want to thank you for being our guest we want to thank everyone for listening and we can't wait yes. to see you definitely, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put up all your, your yeah. links, your, your great website, your and book, books which we didn't even have everything. a chance to talk Follow about. Follow this man. He's so very you have to inspirational. Come back and we'll talk about your and book. I, I love him. <laughs> He's full yeah. of grace and gratefulness. And um, thank you, Robert. No, definitely. And next time we'll, we'll come back and thank yes. We'll, oh. And next time we'll come back, we'll talk about your book, Chasing Life. And Oh, yeah, uh, we didn't even get into that. I know, nothing. We didn't talk about anything. Why did we just wasted our time? Good. <laughs> I, I, I will personally say that I got a lot out of it. So I, for me, it was fantastic. Oh, bless uh, your heart. Book, no book, that's not that important. Well, thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Love Conquers Alls. And uh, everyone take care. <laughs>